ho. Welcome to a little spooky. Christmas is over. It's done. This is a podcast about things that spook us just a little bit. Things like aliens, cryptids, conspiracy theories. When you put your soul and all of your effort and attention into writing a phenomenal spooky story and submitting it to Reddit for peer review, and then you come to find out just a few days later, it's been featured on a shitty horror Twitter page. My name is Everett. And I'm Colleen. And is, is this your experience? No, but the reason I bring it up is because recently on social media, specifically Twitter and TikTok, two sentence horror has been blowing up, going boom, boom, <laughs> but specifically bad two sentence horror. And all I can feel is sadness for the people that tried to go- make up a good two sentence horror story. Yeah, you know, somebody was like, this is going to blow their minds. Can I, since these are so short, can I just read a quick couple, like rapid fire to you and you can just judge it on a scale of one to ten? Okay, yeah, go. Mother. Hello, I am looking for a friendly clown for my son's birthday. Are you one of those? Murder clown. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a ten out of ten. It's upfront. It's obvious. I like it. There's no guessing. I just want to do a couple more. I was diving at 900 feet when a large goblin shark came up to me, but I was fine since they are fairly docile. My relief suddenly and violently changed to pure fear as I realized it was hiding behind me. That's just a lame one. What? I don't. These are bad. I don't even get it. It was in front of him and then it was behind him? They're not scary because they're fine, but then it was behind him. (laughs) Okay. One more. I swiftly reached for my gun and shot the intruder who single-handedly murdered my family. You can't kill the devil, Jeremy, he said with glowing red eyes as the bullet hole slowly closed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's not a two-sentence horror story. You gotta have some... Those were two sentences. Well, that was two sentences, but that one was not... I feel like a two-sentence horror story has to have a setup and a, you know, like a conclusion. And in this one, there's just setup. (laughs) So I'm going to give that one a a four out of ten. The second one didn't even make the scale. But you like the murder clown. The murder clown one was great. (laughs) I don't, that that one was great. Well, I I will say I agree with you. Uh, That whole medium of two sentence horror stories just is setting up for failure because you can't have a good one. But the good one, there are a couple good ones like murder clown. Well, I mean, good good in the way that's exactly that's comedic, but you can't make a scary story in two sentences. So what I'm saying is you want some funny entertainment. Look some up. And if you want to hear a scary story that's more than two sentences long. Keep listening. Listen up. What are we talking about today? (laughs) We got a request to talk about the Stardust Ranch. If you liked Skinwalker Ranch, this is the episode for you. And actually, this is going to be another two-part episode because there is so much happening here. Womp womp. Now, before I get started, I need to let you all know that the majority of my information comes from the owner of Stardust Ranch himself. He recently put out a book, I don't, maybe in 2020, maybe 2019, uh, called Stardust Ranch, The Incredible True Story. Okay. I am going to leave it up to you at the end to determine whether or not you believe him. It starts off strong, and then towards the end, he gets a little philosophical with it. Okay. Uh, but, but it is important to know that this is from, like, parties involved and not, like, yes. a unbiased, like, third party. Yes, this is clearly biased towards the author slash owner of the ranch. Now, I did read third-party sources and stuff just to get the, the general picture of everybody else's thoughts. But the majority of information is coming from John Edmonds himself. Okay. Let's just call this part one. It'd be weirder if we started with part two and then worked our way back around. <laughs> well, this is the this is the juicy part. So okay. let's get let's get her started. The first part of this story takes place kind of in the eighties, mid eighties. So okay. John Edmonds was a man from Illinois who moved to Arizona in his early thirties and he opened up a psychiatric counseling practice. So like basic therapy. 
essentially. The 80s was very well known for their good mental health. (laughs) Right. Well, he met his wife, Joyce, and they were happy doing their newlywed stuff, like working, living in an average house in Phoenix, Arizona. And a few years after getting married, John started getting tired of living in Phoenix. He was not a fan of city living. Okay. He wanted to like slow down. Being a counselor was stressing him out. He wanted horses. He wanted to start a like an animal rescue service. He was really into animals. So yeah, he and Joyce decided to go look for a ranch farther out away from Phoenix. But having only been married a few years, they didn't have a particularly large budget, so they couldn't get like a big, nice ranch close to the city, which would have been their ideal. So they had to go look farther out into more undeveloped areas like Rainbow Valley. Now, Rainbow Valley is only about 45 or 50 minutes away from Phoenix. Okay. So it's not an incredibly long drive, but um, far enough from the city where you're not going to see, you're not going to experience city life. Sure, yeah. And it's not so far that you can't still work in Phoenix. So his wife decided to commute to sure, Phoenix daily that makes sense. to continue her job. And he and he's giving up his profession. Yep. But for the average person, an hour commute is like not ideal. So they were able to get this ranch in this area at a pretty good price because sure. not very many people were fighting for it. They described the ranch as looking like it came right out of an old Western movie. The land was like really hard and dry and brown, but it had this giant, pretty new house, five bedrooms, giant living room, a nice kitchen. It was about 10 acres of land, and there was a stable on the property that could hold up to 20 horses. And the price was low. Like it was crazy low, like lower than it should have been. But apparently it was being used as like a second home for a rich family in Phoenix and they didn't go there very often and they just wanted to get rid of it. Sure. So the admins like weren't asking questions. They were like low price ranch, 45 minutes away. Perfect. That's what we want. So they put their entire life savings into this ranch and they moved in. But I will say Joyce from the very beginning had a terrible feeling about the ranch Like, she did not want to move into this particular ranch. She didn't have a reason for it. So she was convinced by John, like, you're you're worried about nothing. So so she was fine with the idea of him giving up his profession, but it was this ranch specifically. Yes, yes. The thing is, as you find in the book, John is extremely stubborn. Like, and he is dead set. On getting this ranch, staying on it, it's his piece of land, his property. Nobody's going to run him off of this property. So, like, he kind of fell in love with this, and Joyce was not going to stop him. And she didn't have a reason for her, like, bad feeling. So she was like, fine, like, we'll do it, but I don't like it. Fine, I'll commute to work an hour both ways. Yeah. Mm. Right. But they move in. To Joyce, it does not feel right. To John, he's like, fuck yeah, this my jam. I love ranch. I love ranch. So when they brought their U-Haul with all of their furniture and belongings and stuff ready to move in, they opened the door to the ranch and noticed that none of the old owner's stuff was moved out. And it's not just like regular house furnishings. Like this was a wealthy owner. It's like tens of thousands of dollars worth of furniture and art prints and appliances and rugs nothing was moved there was deodorant and toothbrushes it was just all still in the house yeah interesting well they can make their money back and just sell all that shit that's what i was thinking but it's this is gonna hurt you when you hear it john was pissed off that nothing was moved out which i understand Because if you're not, what do you do with your stuff if you're not expecting all of this shit to be in this house? You just ten acres, they can throw it on temporarily, though. Well, right. So this whole debacle, it wasn't in their contract. The contract was they the house would be empty when they moved in. They only had a U-Haul for 24 hours, so they didn't have the money to like rent it for longer to be carting this furniture around. So 
John called his realtor and was like, hey, what the fuck? Like, are these people coming back for their furniture? What's going on? Like, what happened? And the realtor was like, that's weird. Why don't you guys just like leave the pro, like go to a movie, go get some dinner. I'm going to call the previous owners or the previous owner's realtor and see what I can do. And I'm, I'm going to try to get them to haul everything out before you come back. So why don't you just go for a few hours? They can fulfill their part of the contract and empty out the house. Okay. So John and Joyce, they go to a movie, they hang out, they come back to the house in the evening and everything was cleared out. So they get back. The house is perfectly empty. They're super excited. They move everything in. And before going to bed on that first night, John decided, I want to take a walk around the property. Like, it's my 10 acres of land. I just bought this. I own this. This is mine. I want to check it all out. Right. I'm survey my land. In the dark. Yep. Yeah. Weird to me, but you're on the outskirts of Arizona on a ranch. Like, what do you... What's other than wolves? What's going to happen? And and I guess I was thinking this is kind of like a desert area, mm-hmm. just because that's what was in my head in yes. Arizona. Is that what it is? Yes, it's desert. It's they said it's like pulled directly out of an old western. Okay. So we're talking like dusty brown, like dirt with like scrub brushes and cacti. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you're raising horses. And doing an animal rescue, I mean, I imagine you're going to be providing all of the food and stuff. So you just needed a place to put all of your animals. Sure, yeah. So he goes for a walk around the property, and he gets to an in-ground pool that they didn't realize was part of the property. But, like, awesome. Surprise pool. How do you not realize? I. They made it seem like they went into this completely blind, to be honest. Oh, okay. As, again, this is him, and he makes... John makes the point of saying, my memory isn't great, but I have, like, the events that happened are burned into my memory, but I don't have a great timeline. That'll hold <laughs> that up go- in court, Yeah, John. that goes to his credibility. <laughs> but he gets to this in-ground pool, and he notices... All of the previous owner's stuff had just been dumped into it. All of it. The furniture, the appliances, the art, soap, food, deodorant, toothbrushes, TVs, mixers, toasters. All they had done was taken everything out of the house and dumped it into this pool outside. Interesting. I yes. assume it's there's no water in the pool. Right. No, empty pool. Right. And John and Joyce call the realtor and they're like, dude... Like, whoever you got to clean out this house totally fucked up. And the realtor said, I couldn't get a hold of anyone. I didn't get anyone to clean out the house. Weird. I couldn't get a hold of the previous owners. After you bought their house, their number is no longer in service. So they're gone. So I don't know who moved your stuff to the pool, but that stuff is yours now. Because there's no way to contact them to get it back. Give it back. So who was it? Surfer ghost? No, because a surfer ghost would want to preserve the integrity of the pool. Yeah. So ghost that hates pools? Drowned (laughs) ghosts. Maybe. Now, to me in this situation, if I had bought this ranch and there were tens of thousands of dollars worth of awesome shit that is a lot nicer than the shit that I own available to me, I'd be like, hell yeah. Sucks that I'm going to have to, like, pull it all out of this pool now. A lot of it might be damaged now, too. Yes, that's, it's total garbage. But John and Joyce were annoyed because they just wanted to move in, start life. Like, they don't want to have to deal with other people's garbage, which I totally get, too. Just bury it now. Just throw dirt on top. Well, they just spent the next few weeks cleaning out the pool and getting rid of everything. They, like, put some stuff on the sides of the roads. I think they donated. They didn't make money off of it. Maybe they sold some things, but eventually they got rid of everything. He didn't mention making a big profit, even though this sounds like it was really nice stuff. So they just wanted to get rid of it. But that that was the first weird thing that happened. And they kind of brushed it off which is weird to me because how did somebody get into their new house i hope they changed the locks they don't mention changing the locks but i hope they did john gets to work over the next few weeks setting up the ranch the way they wanted it and joyce was still commuting to phoenix she worked for the fbi in a like a clerical position she wasn't like an agent or anything so they've been at their house for about two months and one day while joyce is at work john sees like this 
messy, tired-looking dude with a machete walking up his driveway. He describes him as looking like Willie Nelson with terrible teeth. And a machete. And a machete, yes. So Machete instead of the guitar. Right. <laughs> so, like, cool Willie Nelson. <laughs> now we have Colleen's stance on guitars, I guess. No, I love a guitar. Just not a big Willie just, Nelson just, fan. Oh, I thought you were going to say machetes are just cooler. <laughs> machetes are pretty, pretty badass. Anyways, John is like, what the fuck is this guy doing on my property? So he got up. He, like, meets him halfway in the driveway. And he's like, can I help you with something? Yeah. And the guy was like... I live here. John was like, um, no, no, you don't. Literally just bought this property. Mine. Haven't seen you for the past couple months. Like, uh. this is this is my property. Who are you? And the guy looked at him and said, I kill the monsters. <laughs> Very ominous. I uh, know. I thought he was going to say, finders keepers. <laughs> <laughs> I, this understandably freaked out John. And John was like, I don't know if you had some kind of arrangement with the previous owner and you were like living in a shed on the land or something, but um, that is now done. You need to get off this property. I don't know who you are and I don't know what you mean. So go. And the, the guy was just pissed off. And he said, you'll regret this and left. <laughs> that is okay. It sounds stupid and it kind of is, but it's also horrifying. If there was a dude that came up to our door and I was like, um, excuse me, wait, like, can I help you with something? And he'd be like, what are you talking about? I live here. Not only do I live here, but I murder the things that live in your house. Freaky. <laughs> that whole conversation is so funny to me. It's like, I live here. No, you don't. Well, I killed the monsters in yeah, your house. <laughs> okay, we'll get out. You're going to regret this. <laughs> I don't, and they don't elaborate. It's like literally that's how it went. Guy was like, I kill monsters. You're going to regret it if I leave. And John was like, okay. And then he left. And that was it. That's all he hears of that guy. And since this is a two-part series, I assume that John regrets it. Oh, you're going to find <laughs> out. So a little while later after this weird dude incident... They want to get a landline installed at the house. Oh, yeah. High tech. Hamburger phone time. <laughs> so twice they call the phone company and they're told, yeah, um, we'll get somebody out there. No problem. They'll be, they'll be here at this time. And twice the installer was a no-show. And when they call the phone company on their cell phones, not the landline that they want In the 90s? installed. Yeah, they had cell phones. His wife worked for the FBI. Maybe they got access to the good stuff. I guess. They call the phone company and they ask for a manager. And they're informed well, Karen by... Alert. <laughs> well, you would be pissed off if no, somebody... No, I, I know. It's just, <laughs> when else can I say that? No, I know. True. <laughs> so they ask for a manager and they're informed by a lady that their house has a strange reputation and that their installers are subcontractors who are refusing to go to that house. She said, sir, your house has a reputation. And when he asked for her to elaborate, she wouldn't. She just said, "There's your house has a bad reputation. People don't like going over there. It's We don't get to decide if someone's going to show up. We have subcontractors do that. So we can't force somebody to show up. She said she's going to try to work things out and she would call them back in two hours. Well, the two hours come around. No callback. So they call the phone company again and they ask for the lady by name just so they can follow up with this lady. Mm -hmm. And they're told that there's no lady with that name who works there. But then who was phone? I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's not even about the ranch anymore. It's just the weird shit's happening all around. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, weird shit associated to the ranch. Right. That has a bad reputation. Some random ghost lady manager, ghost Karen. Working for the telephone the phone company. company. Informs them that their house is weird. I don't Interesting. know. So John gives up because it sounds like he's getting the run around several times. But the next day, an installer van shows up. 
So somehow this lady who didn't exist managed to get someone to schedule an installment at his house the next day without informing them. I I will say, though, after working in that type of office environment, like telecommunications, someone probably just gave the run around, run around and said, yeah, this is my name, but just lied. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, if I was talking to a pissed off customer and I had that option. Why not? Oh, yeah. I'm sure in the 90s, they weren't necessarily recording all of your calls like they would now. Probably not, no. Anyways, this installer guy gets here, and John is like, hey, here's where I want the phone. He shows him where he wants the phone. But also, like, what the fuck, dude? Why wouldn't you guys come the first two times? You said you would. And what is this reputation that my house has? So the guy who was installing their phone was actually a resident of the area, and he gave him a whole history lesson about stardust ranch and it was already called this no no but it's been that's more recent name he doesn't give a name for this ranch but i'll call it stardust ranch because that's what it is now yep so the house that they're living in was built in the 70s by a man who wanted to surprise his wife with it He takes her there, opens the door, walks her inside. She opens her eyes and she says, I will never live here. And if you make me live here, I'm going to divorce you. And the guy was like, but I built it for you. And she was like, okay, divorce time. So they got a divorce. She left. And he insisted on staying in the house. Then after that, somehow it became like the headquarters to some sort of betting organization, like horse racing, some oh, underground. Betting. Betting. B-E-T-T-I-N-G. Betting, like what you put on Gambling. Your bed. <laughs> <laughs> horse racing or something. And then from there, it became a brothel. Of course. Right. What else would it be? And then there was some kind of shootout there because some kind of crime organization slash right-wing terrorist group called the Sons of Gestapo was using it as their headquarters, and several people were killed in this shootout. How old is this house? 70s. What? A lot of changing hands in just a short amount of time. Right, yes. And there's more to that whole shootout story. The people of the town swear that it happened, that there was a shootout on the property with the sons of Gestapo and the police. But there are no police records of that ever happening. Now, I mean, I guess police could be like, let's get rid of these records. (laughs) I mean, that's always possible. But why? Yeah, I have no idea. After the alleged shootout, a different family bought it and they ran like a cattle operation. So it went back to being a ranch. Sure. Um, They did this for a few years. And on the day of his high school graduation, their oldest son killed himself in the home with a shotgun. Oof. Then it must have changed hands and the family that was using it as a vacation home moved in. And then now the admins have it. Weird. The phone installer, when he's done installing the phone, was like, "Um, I'd get out of here if I was you. Like, there's something wrong about this house. Just get out while you can before you start every like start your business and everything. And John was like, "Um, I live here. I spent my whole life savings on this house. I'm not going anywhere. And the guy was like, okay. And then he installed their phone line and left. Hmm. That's some class A customer service. (laughs) Scare your customer and then leave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who knows? That guy might not have even worked for the phone company. He could have been a ghost. Totally. He probably was. So after that, uh, life went on pretty normally. And while his wife worked in the city, he worked on fixing up and maintaining the ranch. He was breeding Rottweilers. He wanted to set up an animal shelter. He wanted to raise horses. So uh, doing that sort of stuff. But gradually, John started noticing lights in the sky. And they're not like normal lights. They're super fast. And they did things that lights, quote, don't normally do. Now, there's a military base called the Barry Goldwater Air Force Range about 12 miles away. <laughs> so it very well could have been airplane stuff. Sure. Yeah. But John is convinced to this day that the way they were moving was not physically possible. Plus, he could see that things were different when this Air Force base was running military drills. 
I will say, though, just to play devil's advocate, it's not like they have one type of aircraft. Right. And if it is a military base and they're trying to do some sort of training exercise in secret with like a covert type Mm -hmm. aircraft, that's a possibility. Right. Though nowadays it seems more plausible that it would be something unidentified just with the the most recent. Yeah, the the confirmation that UFOs exist. Mm -hmm. But that's it. The same thing happened at Skinwalker Ranch, right? The lights? Yeah. And where did that, where's Skinwalker Ranch? Is that also Arizona? Utah. Utah. Okay. I guess the only difference is there wasn't an Air Force base nearby. Right. Skywalker so Ranch. to me, yes, the fact that there is an Air Force base nearby kind of. Well, I mean, I'm not discounting it. I'm just saying it's it's interesting that he says it can't be this, but like it's possible. Right. And actually, wouldn't it be super devious if you were an, a UFO pilot to practice right by an Air Force base to, to like throw people off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Arizona has a long history of UFO activity, and the people in the area also report to have seen these lights. And they also say, there's no way this is an airplane. Like, there's no, we don't, there's no technology that moves this fast in this direction. And every time it's brought up, the government says, it's the airbase. The lights you're seeing, airbase. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing with this book. John Edmund makes it very clear that he believes that alien activity is being covered up by the government. And the people in the town kind of seem to agree with him, but they all leave it alone. Like, what are you supposed to do about it? The police aren't going to help you. Obviously, the government's not going to help you. The only thing that's happening is like weird lights and the occasional cattle mutilation. Which is happening all across the west coast right so they're like you know what we're just gonna pretend it doesn't happen and live our lives as normally as possible yeah not much else you can do right except his wife is in the fbi why can't they do something because they're the government so 90 days into living at the ranch he starts to feel this like weird negative presence he's a counselor like a therapist so he's like this is weird He just talks himself out of it. I'm probably experiencing some kind of anxiety from owning this and the weird things that are happening. Even though he tries to convince himself that he doesn't feel weird about this property, weird things start happening in the house. Like the electricity goes on and off. Mm -hmm. He will put things down in one spot. And then go somewhere. And when he comes back to get them again, like his phone or his keys, they would be gone. But then he'd leave to look for them. And when he'd come back, they'd be there again. Poltergeist. Yes. This is like ghost activity. So he would test this. He would put something in a specific spot, knowing that it was there. He would write down, my keys are on this table. Then he would go take a shower or something. Mm -hmm. He'd come back and they'd be completely gone. Even though he knew he was the only one in the house, he didn't have pets in the house, and he had written down exactly where they were. Sure. Now, Joyce worked in Phoenix, and she noticed none of this stuff happening because she basically just used the house as a place to sleep. And then she'd get up early, make her hour commute, work all day, hour commute back, maybe watch some TV and go to bed. Right. However, this entire time, she still has that feeling that there's something wrong with the house. Like, they shouldn't have moved in there. She hasn't seen any weird shit happening. Other than all the shit in the pool. Other than the shit being moved to the pool. Right. But I mean, if there's only one weird incidence that happens, you can talk yourself out of it. Right. So she's just, she has this bad feeling. She's constantly telling John, like, I want to leave. I I don't, we can take a loss on the house. I would rather live anywhere else. But John, as I said earlier, he's super stubborn and he's like, no, we're staying. This is my house. I'm staying here. And he refused to leave. And Joyce was like, fine, like, I know this is your dream, but, like, I'm telling you, something's wrong. Very similar mentality to the family uh, on Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, monetarily, they're kind of tied up. 
But on top of that, very stubborn in just making it work and trying to ignore all the weird shit. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, weird stuff keeps happening. TV would turn on at full volume. Things would fly off of counters and break randomly. Um, the refrigerator would start rocking back and forth on its own. And like like you said, this totally sounds like poltergeist activity. Like this yeah. isn't alien activity. This is some ghost shit. Right. One day he goes out to feed his dogs. He goes to check on the horses. He comes back to the dogs to give them a pet before he goes inside. And he notices that his favorite Rottweiler has been absolutely mutilated Whoa. in the time between feeding the dogs, going to visit the horses and coming back. Same type of thing on Skinwalker Ranch, like just a couple minutes and then mush. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, he describes it as being as flat as a manhole cover, like it had been run over by a steamroller. Whoa. Like it was absolutely crushed. But the weird thing was, there was no blood anywhere. Same thing with cattle mutilations, mm -hmm. too, sucking all the blood out somehow. Yeah. But why the dog? I don't know. And the thing is, John heard nothing. Like, you would think if something were to come through and, you know, steamroll your dog, there are other dogs around that would probably be barking. Or you would hear the dog, I imagine, being crushed. Being crushed. And it's a 10-acre plot of land. I don't know how far the horses were from the dogs, but he didn't make it sound like he had to drive over to where the horses were. Right. So I imagine they're fairly close to each and, other. And even if they were a few acres away, I feel like the sound of crushing a dog and most likely alerting like howling, the other dogs. barking, yeah. You would hear that. Plus, it takes some sort of force to crush a dog. Like, if there was a giant machine going around crushing your dog, you'd get it. Like, you'd hear it, right? I I, th I would imagine. I don't know. When Joyce gets home, John is like, hey, check this out. <laughs> well, <laughs> he well, shows, this weird shit. Yeah, he shows her the body. He finally tells her about all the fucky stuff that's been happening while she was gone. Oh, he, he was, was keeping he it He was secret? keeping it from her because she already hated the house. He She wasn't experiencing it. Why would he make it worse? Because he wants to stay. I guess. So yeah. he tells her about all this stuff, and she starts to believe him. Like, she's skeptical. Because we're talking like poltergeist-like activity. But you can't deny the flattened corpse of a Rottweiler directly in front of you. And then horses started showing up, eviscerated. Again, never he never heard a single noise. He'd just go check on them, and one would be completely dismembered. Like surgeons did it. There'd be a leg here and a leg here and a head here. And they weren't crushed like the dog. They were just dismembered. Right. I think the only time I he really mentioned it crushed was the dog. Okay. Yeah, the same thing with like, and not just Skinwalker Ranch, but just cattle mutilations in general. It's always said that it's like surgical precision, mm -hmm. like using extremely sharp instruments that aren't like tearing away at the flesh. It's just perfectly right. sliced. So it's not like an animal. Right. Like yes. It's or not a wild animal attack. Right. right. So as time goes on, John and Joyce started waking up with mysterious scars and burn marks on their bodies. One day, John is sitting on his couch. He's watching TV and he hears a sizzling sound and he smells smoke. And then all of a sudden, his calf has this excruciating pain. So he jumps up, looks at his leg and sees that he has two completely new burn marks on the back of his leg. Mm hmm. And stuff like this kept happening, but John refuses to sell the ranch, even though he and his wife are being physically affected by it now. I'm I'm starting to n n even think like aliens. It, this can't be aliens, it, right? It's too it, it, too much. It has to be a ghost. A poltergeist. Yeah, like you don't really hear about aliens just fucking with your shit for fun, other than the cattle mutilations. Yes, yeah, but. Yeah, they're not, like, going to just hide your stuff and burn you just to burn you. Right. That's what a shitty ghost does. Yeah. Ghosts ain't shit. 
He's still refusing to go. Joyce is like, get me the fuck out of here. He's like, this is my home. He he does mention later on that he kind of feels like the house is keeping him there. Like maybe he feels so strongly about it because of the house. Like, like a, the entity. Like Amityville Horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he wants to convince Joyce everything's fine. He wants to stay there. So he starts digging. He starts asking all around town, what is up with this ranch? And no one wants to talk. They all just kind of say, oh, you know, it's got a reputation for, you know, weird stuff happening. But, like, we don't really want to talk about it. He goes to the Department of Agriculture to inquire about the dog and horse mutilations on his land and see if that's been happening with other ranches around the area. The Department of Agriculture was like... We don't have an official position on mutilations, but bloodless mutilations have been happening in this area for a very long time. And that their con- their official conclusion was, quote, a non-human presence is mutilating the animals, end quote. And that's all they would say. So they don't want to say it's an animal is killing and mutilating these animals, but they are pointing out that it is a non-human presence. Which is strange because we just talked about how surgically precise the mutilations are. Non-human could also imply that vampires are at play. Yeah, it could be anything. Badass. So all this is happening. It's just a continuing process. But one day, he and Joyce, they decide to go to Phoenix for a date. They want to do a fancy dinner, get out of the house. Go on a date. And I would like to point out that John Edmonds is incredibly sexist as he is writing this book. Here's a quote. As many a man has experienced, going out in public with your woman can entail some preparation for the woman. I settled in for an indeterminate amount of time, knowing, as all men do, that to rush the situation would do me no good whatsoever. End quote. Like, what is this bullshit? What is this absolute pure garbage? I know plenty of men who take longer to get ready than I do. Jesus. <laughs> Anyways, so you're sitting on the couch like, where's my lady? And she comes down the stairs in a red dress and he's like, you look good. And she looks like she's ready to go out on the town. Her face is all done up, ready for a date. They don't get to go on dates often. So they get in the Jeep and they drive the 45 minutes into town. And during the drive, they have a great conversation talking about like day-to-day stuff. They don't talk about the weird stuff on the ranch. They want to take a break from that. But he says like they have a good conversation about friends and family and stuff that's going on at work. Okay. They get to the restaurant and they sit down. And before the waiter comes to take their order, Joyce is like, hey, I have to pee. So I'm just going to run to the bathroom. Well, she's in the bathroom. John decides to check his cell phone. And he had several missed calls from home, which is weird because nobody's home. He and Joyce are the only ones that live Mm. in that house. They're both at the restaurant. He drove 40. They've been talking for 45 minutes. She's in the bathroom. He listens to the voicemails that were left and they were Joyce freaking out like how could you leave without me where the fuck are you how could you be so rude like why would you leave without me do you hate me what's going on and he calls home while joyce is still in the bathroom and talks to joyce and is like i have no idea what's happening um i'm leaving now i will be home in 45 minutes as he hangs up the phone joyce walks out of the bathroom She comes, she sits down at the table, and he looks at her and realizes, that's not Joyce. Her eyes are completely black, like full on. Took him that long to realize? Well, she just lost her illusion. That I don't know, but it was like evening, he's facing forward while they're driving. They just, I mean, I guess they weren't really looking. He wasn't looking super close at her. But you would have noticed the black eyes before you left, I would think. Anyways, he gets up, throws money down on the table, because I think they got drinks, and leaves. Just leaves fake Joyce there. Oh. 
He gets home 45 minutes later and Joyce is sitting on the couch at home just absolutely sobbing because her husband ditched her <laughs> while she was getting ready to look nice for him, I might add. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but at the same time, he did go out with her. Yes, no, but she doesn't know that. <laughs> yes. If I thought that you had like literally just left me at the house with no explanation well, we were supposed to be going on a date. Um, I'd be pretty I'd be pretty miffed. But he tells her the story and Joyce clearly doesn't believe him because who the fuck would believe that? Until the exact same thing happened to her. I shouldn't say the exact same. They weren't like going on a date, but he mentioned several instances where things happened and there was a second copy of him that Joyce swears was there. And Weird. this doppelganger stuff happened multiple times to both of them. Like that wasn't an, it wasn't an isolated incident. What the hell is it? I don't know. So doppelganger, I mean, it's just the term for a double. So is it like a skinwalker? Is it an alien? But black eyes means demon potentially. Mm -hmm. What is it? I don't know. I don't know. But apparently that even wasn't enough to get John to move off of this property. So time goes by. All this shit is continuing to happen. And they've been on the ranch now for seven years. It's a commitment. <laughs> right. They still, they're getting the weird burns. The doppelgangers are showing up. The lights, the animal mutilations, things would disappear, reappear. Several instances, things would disappear like his keys. And then he'd be walking and they would fall out of thin air and hit him on the head. Like, what's the name of that poltergeist from Harry Potter? Peeves. Yeah. It's, it seems like almost all of this is a poltergeist. But mm -hmm. then at the same time, a poltergeist at least from the lore I know of, can, like, make itself a double of anything it wants to be. Mm -hmm. So it's like multiple things are at play. Right. But this is going to blow your mind. So they're at this house for seven years, and all of a sudden, shit escalates. So they're sleeping in their bed, and it's middle of the night, and John feels something touch his arm. So he's been on edge basically for the last seven years. I mean, he feels like there's shit going on in the house. He's been sleeping with a baseball bat under his bed. Everyone should do that anyway. Right. He, he <laughs> mentions he keeps like weapons kind of sporadically around the house, but specifically under his bed, baseball bat. He opens his eyes. He grabs the bat. He swings blindly and he hits an alien. What? He says there were three gray aliens standing next to the bed. They had very thin arms and legs. They were about four feet tall, very thin waists, very thick chests, and giant black fly eyes. And when he hit it, nothing happened. He said it made like a hiss sound, but it didn't cause any pain. It was more of like a shocked sound. John was like, I didn't even think I swung at them again because there's weird things in my house. And the second time he swung, they phased out like they just disappeared. This was not the only time this happened. And Joyce did see this, too. Joyce, the skeptic, she also experienced this. And this was his first encounter with the greys. But can the greys just phase out of reality or is it something else? masquerading as them now he explains this a little bit later so i will get okay. to that okay. but when he sees them they're phasing out so after this incident he begins to spiral he knew of other instances of ufo activities in arizona and nevada he's heard stories of alien abductions so he's doing research like as much as he possibly can and he concluded that the marks on his body and his wife's were probably from being abducted and experimented on. And then when they wake up, they have these mysterious burns on their body. Which would make sense if he didn't explain earlier that he was like awake and sitting in a chair when he experienced right, a burn. Right, and got new burns, yeah. yeah. I was also thinking maybe microchips too being mm -hmm. implanted. Well, his conclusion is they had to have been abducted. And like many abdu abductees, they were made to forget what happened to them. 
However, now that he's seen the aliens on his property, it's like they were like, well, he's already seen us. So they no longer hid from him. He saw them all the time on the ranch at all times of the day. They would wake him and his wife up at night. And he and his wife started sleeping in separate bedrooms because they thought, you know, if we're going to be abducted, it'd be harder to give both of us if we're in separate rooms. I don't know. They're doing what that, they can to feel safe. That's a good excuse on her part to want a separate bedroom. <laughs> that's what I was thinking, too. At this point, John is no longer sleeping with a baseball bat. He is sleeping with a gun. And he mentions several occasions where he just fucking shoots these aliens. He describes their reaction as a hiss, like like he shot a soccer ball or something. But they don't fall to the ground dead. They just kind of sound like they're deflating. And then they phase out. But it doesn't kill them. They just kind of sound like... <sighs> it's almost like they're not real. It's like a hologram. Yeah. And all the previous stuff still keeps happening. Food flies out of the fridge. Things drop onto their heads. Aliens are popping up out of nowhere. The house is rattling around. Weird shit. So after a while, it was just life. He was like, what am I supposed to do? About this? this is my life now. <laughs> you can't move out. I guess. That's not an option. No, for him, it clearly was not. He and Joyce were constantly on edge. But like, again, other than the obvious leaving, what are they supposed to do about it? I mean, how many people can you go up to and be like, hey, there's fucking aliens that I've shot a few times. I, th I like to imagine that he's just like, Ugh, moving is such a fucking hassle. I don't want to deal with a realtor again. <laughs> I'd rather deal I with feel. these fucking aliens all the time. <laughs> I hate moving. So <laughs> I, I mean, don't I entirely do too, blame him. But what's, what's the lesser of two evils? I mean... The aliens. That's why he's staying. <laughs> okay, so this is still like the 90s. Prime X-Files popularity time. Aliens were becoming a thing of science fiction in pop culture. Like, you, you talk about aliens, you immediately think of the X-Files. You think of weird tie-dye shirts with alien faces on them. You're not thinking... Your first association isn't with real aliens. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I just don't know if that started in the 90s. No, but I, mean, I think maybe, at this point... Maybe got a lot more popular in right. the public conscious, but... Yes. Yeah. So even if everyone in the area knew something was wrong with the ranch, no one was really leaping to alien activity because alien activity is science fiction. So Joyce and John just had to continue on with their daily lives. John still wanted to do stuff with horses, run the animal shelter. He hired an accountant and did boring tax things. But it turns out... This accountant was head of the area's Mormon church. He knew of the ranch's reputation, and he offered to do an exorcism. Is that, what, is that something Mormons do? I guess I didn't realize. I think this is me generalizing, um, and I have no idea, but I think most Christian what denominations, beliefs... I guess. Have some kind of exorcism. I guess I've never just right? made the connection. Like, I always just assume Mormons are much more like... The devil's a story. I don't know. And I don't know much about Mormonism. I can't speak to it at all. John never told anyone about the aliens. He would talk about the weird shit that was happening, the mutilations, the stuff disappearing around his home. But, like, he drew the line at aliens because he knew it sounded ridiculous. Like, hey, I've shot a few aliens in my day. Well, I would totally do the same thing mm -hmm. because it's you have physical evidence of the cattle mutilations and you can at least people are aware of the weird shit's going that's going on. So you can kind of talk about the stuff that's disappearing in your house. Right. Too. Exactly. But no. Yeah. Like you said, no one's going to take aliens seriously. Right. And even this this Mormon bishop, he didn't know about the extraterrestrial activity. He was focusing on what he thought was demonic activity. And honestly, that is what the exorcism he performed seemed to bring out. So this Mormon bishop brings two acolytes with him to assist in this exorcism. Okay. And they get in the house. They don't even say hi. They just show up. They're led into the house and they get down to business. 
And as they're walking through the house saying prayers, the house begins to make these weird noises from the pipes. Um, John describes it as ghostly moaning. Oh, yeah. Gross. <laughs> as this is happening, the three of them, they keep going around. They're performing their prayers until they reach the master bedrooms. When they get into the master bedroom, one of the acolytes gets down on all fours and just begins projectile vomiting in the room. Cool. <laughs> that man runs out of the house, projectile vomiting the entire way, and he gets in the car and he stays there because he's like, shit. Still vomiting. <laughs> yeah, so he specifically says, continuing to vomit the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's like one of those scenes from like a parody scary movie thing where it's just, the, the stream doesn't stop. It's just like a constant fire hose of vomit. That's what I pictured too. So the remaining two of them continue with the prayers. They're like, hold strong, men. They keep going and the sound gets like louder and louder. Oh, and yeah? growlier and growlier. Oh, yeah? Until eventually it was too much for the remaining two exorcists and they ran out of a side door. They got into their car and they sped out of there without saying anything anything to john or joyce like they were just freaked and left <laughs> it's like they were pretending they weren't even there the whole time they didn't say hi they didn't say bye yeah that's exactly what it was just vomit all over the house and then leave right now okay i understand why like if you were desperate after several years inviting someone to do an exorcism in your house like why not you know, what harm is it gonna do I mean, it could do some harm maybe I suppose, but if he didn't everywhere. believe it was demonic activity to start with, he's True. like, you yeah. know what? He, he's been convinced of the aliens. Right. I mean, none of the stuff that happened during this exorcism is what I would consider to be alien activity, unless the house itself was an alien. R sure, yeah. So, I mean, like, that's some haunted house shit right there. Here's my question. Mm -hmm. The question that's been on all of our minds. What are the odds that one house would not only be like a hotbed of paranormal slash alien activity, but also be haunted? Right. Yeah. I mean, that seems like fairly unbelievable to me. Mm -hmm. Even we're talking about two fairly unbelievable concepts, but together. John, however, becomes convinced he doesn't know what's wrong with the house. The physical house is not normal. He's convinced that the house was alive and that it's sitting in some sort of a weird alternate dimension that's visible to the normal world, mm. but not actually located in the normal world. That's what, that's what I wanted to say, and I was going to save it for the end. I was going to say, what if the aliens aren't just greys? What if they're like fourth dimensional beings or higher dimensional beings? And that's why they can move shit around mm -hmm. and make people vomit and make the house seem alive. Yeah, um, there's a part two to this story in which we will get entirely into fourth dimensional beings. But let me yes. continue with this half. Okay. So after this exorcism, the demonic type of activity starts to ramp up. But again, it's still considered quote unquote normal for the house. So they just have to continue on with daily life. You know, mm -hmm. I, it's just happening more often. Things are falling out of the air. Things are disappearing. The house is making weird noises. They just have to live with it. And this whole time, they continue to be visited by aliens. One night, John wakes up and sees his wife levitating several feet above the bed. They had started sleeping in the same room again after they realized that the aliens were going to continue to abduct them, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> and of her excuse wouldn't well, work anymore. Right. <laughs> so he he says she's levitating about three feet above the bed, and the way he describes it is exactly like Sigourney Weiner, Weiner. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. And he, she's like out of it. She's sleeping. She's unconscious. She's levitating above the bed. And he stands on the bed and shouts into her face, Joyce, 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 Got it. Yes. Joyce, wake up, Joyce. But she won't wake up, even though he's screaming directly into her face. It's like she's in a trance. Eventually, he basically puts his entire body weight onto her and she like sinks back onto the bed. She... When she gets back down onto the bed, he's still yelling, Joyce, Joyce, wake up. She, like, opens her eyes for a second, looks around, and then just, like, goes back to sleep. Oh, I thought you were going to say, 
I like something about the gatekeeper and the key master. No, <laughs> that would have been great. This levitation started happening more and more often. And sometimes she even f- like moved as she floated in the air. Like at first she was just static above the bed, three feet above the bed. But eventually she would like slowly be floating towards the bedroom door. Like she was being pulled out by something. Like an, un- an invisible gurney or something. Kind of. And he said like he- she wasn't moving that fast like he could walk next to her as she was moving and she would like move out the door down the hallway towards the door of the house and he would like push her back into the room and every time she would wake up but immediately fall back asleep and had no memory of any of this ever happening i why why can't this have happened during the era of smartphones and he could have just taken a video of all of this with his phone right Now, one day, she floated completely out of the house. John was like, where is she going? I think he just kind of wanted to see where she was going. Where the fuck are you going? He couldn't stop her. Like, he tried pulling her back, and, like, the force was too strong. The force was strong with this one. Sure. She gets out of the house, and he's following her out, and then he saw it. A 100-foot diameter flying disc hovering 100 feet off the ground with a blue light coming out of it. Like cow tractor beam abduction style. Very stereotypical alien. Yes. So his reaction is to leave his wife there, sprint back to the house, grab an AK-47 and just fucking unload on this thing. Uh, Okay. I will say, with all of these types of stories, whether it's ghosts, aliens, monsters, Bigfoot, whatever, I always say, why doesn't he just take a fucking gun and shoot at it? Well, that's what he did. That's what I'm saying. And it worked. It's finally happening. It worked, because that thing dropped her. She slammed to the ground and woke up, and this time she remembered everything. Oh, I thought when you said it worked, I thought you were going to say it It crashed to the ground. No, man. It just dropped her, and it was like, let's get out of here. So it, it left. All right. Okay, so at this point in the book, John starts writing about how he's started to join the UFO community, um, like MUFON, Mutual UFO Network. He's writing articles for blogs, like just essentially trying to get people to corroborate him, I guess, to confirm like this isn't just happening to him. He says a lot of these people go crazy after a while and start believing in some crazy shit. But... At this point, there are members of the UFO community that do get a hold of him. And slowly, news of what's happening on Stardust Ranch starts to get out. Now he's he's started talking about ancient aliens. If the Vatican found out about aliens, you know, they would try to stop it because aliens don't travel through physical space, but through dimensions that we go to after we die and energy never dies. And if energy doesn't die, what is God? And so the church would ruin everything. Those kinds of conspiracies. Sure. Like uh, getting a little aliens, more out there. Yes. He's this, this, the, we're starting to get into the second half of the book. And this is where it's less events and more theories. Okay. Well, even with all of this theorizing, it doesn't answer the question, what the fuck is happening on Stardust Ranch? And what would aliens possibly want with his family or the ranch? We're going to follow that up next week with part two. Okay. Which, there is some cool stuff that happened in part two. Yeah, I, okay. So I, I know we'll talk about this on the next episode. But yeah, the uh, halfway through, I'm like, maybe it is like an a higher dimensional being because they would be able to make this kind of fuckery happen. And Mm -hmm. it's not just aliens as we usually think about them. Right. I mean, I guess it would be alien to us. So technically aliens, but like, so would ghosts, you know what I mean? Like maybe aliens and ghosts are the same thing. They're just a different dimensional being. Mm -hmm. You, he has some interesting thoughts and that is not the end of the weird shit that happens on the ranch. There's, Some other cool stuff that happens that we'll go through next week. Okay, and you might bring this up in the next episode, too, but I just wanted to ask because I was curious. So you said this book came out about a year ago or so. Mm -hmm. Is is he still living at this ranch? Yes, he has not been able to sell it. He's committed to the bit. Yes, pretty much. Uh Uh-huh. I can't believe 
anyone would stay at a place like this for so long. So he, again, we will address that in the second part. He does, there are people who offer, make him offers for the ranch. Um, I'll go more into detail with that later, but those don't work out. I don't know if he's making money off of this. I imagine he is. Yes, right. At least the book sales. So Um, he does have an incentive, if this is a lie, to keep it going. It's just weird because he's a therapist. He's originally a therapist. He must have some sort of doctorate or something to be a therapist. Well, maybe not. I don't know how that works. And you can cut this part out if you want. But is that guy with the machete, does he come into play later? No, but there is... A machete-like object that will come into play later that you will probably think is moderately badass. Okay. Well, I was just wondering if he kills the monsters, how was a regular man able to do this? I don't know. And honestly, he never comes back. There's no more explanation about that. But the fact that he is using a machete and not a gun is telling. And you will hear about Mm. that next week. Okay. We have a hint. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. Why? <laughs> I don't know what to believe. Yes. No. And it gets even worse after you hear all of his theories. Like when I read the first half, I was like, this shit's awesome. Like I don't, it's weird. Obviously he could be making this up, but it's really cool. And then you get to the second half and it gets kind of spiritual and you're like, oh, Now I just don't know. Like, I just, there's, not that I have anything about spiritual beliefs, but he gets very, like, esoteric. I can't follow it. But we're not done with the story. Come back next week to hear the second part. For now, I'm going to leave you with a few things I came across in the news recently. All right. This first one, it's a little bit older. It was earlier this year in May. Dolphins deliberately get high. On pufferfish. Hmm. Wait, we can't get high on pufferfish. We just die. How come mm. dolphins can do it? <laughs> oh. oh, I will tell. Dolphins are thought as one of the most intelligent species in the animal kingdom, and experts believe they have put their engine. Experts believe they have put their intelligence to use in the pursuit of getting high. All right. In extraordinary scenes filmed for a new documentary, young dolphins were seen carefully manipulating a certain kind of puffer fish, which, if provoked, releases a nerve toxin. Though large doses of the toxin can be deadly, in small amounts it is known to produce a narcotic effect, and the dolphins appear to have worked out how to make the fish release just the right amount. So what they do, they carefully chew on the puffer fish, and pass it between one another. Puff, puff, pass. Puff, puff, pass. <laughs> Stupid. And this was actually caught on camera. No way. Yes, there is a video of this happening. <laughs> I just thought that was so weird. That you I had know to talk what? It about is it. spooky. Every It seems like there is no species that says no to getting high because there are plenty of like birds and animals that will eat like fermented apples and get shwasty. I don't know if they do it on purpose though. This is, I don't know that, this yes, is on no. purpose for sure. Right. Yes. Let's stay in the animal kingdom for the next story. All right. Scientists uncover fossil of giant millipede and it was a complete fluke of a discovery. Experts believe the specimen is a section of the creature's exoskeleton that it shed near a riverbed, which was then preserved by the sand. This giant millipede is estimated to be as long as a car and weighing 50 kilograms, and they found it in northern England and believe it was not only a plant eater, for, you know, an herbivore, I guess is the better term, (laughs) um, but also likely a predator, too. (laughs) Um, Gross. So I don't do millipedes and centipedes. I can't. Uh-uh. The, the reason it was a fluke discovery is because they were doing some digging or something in the area, and this giant boulder fell, cracked open, and just had this fossil inside. Bitchin'. And it's only a section of it, but if it's compared to its, you know, modern... Uh, relative, I guess. Sure. You could say. So they're like looking at proportions. Yep, and, and looking mass. at the actual section of like you know how Got many it. legs are here. So they're thinking it would be. Let's look at the the stats here. Roughly, 
two meters and 50 kilograms. Sick. Gross. All right. I have one, one last story. One last story. And Mm -hmm. this one is hot off the press. December 17th. Man kicked off flight for wearing. I'm not going to tell you just yet. Okay. (laughs) Adam. Jen, Jean, something. Adam Jean was dis- or was ordered to disembark the United Airlines flight following a stunt, which he suggests illustrates the absurdity of having to wear a face mask on a plane until it reaches cruising altitude. Okay. What do you think it was? Let's guess. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I this whole like mask debacle is getting annoying i okay i completely agree with that but he does raise a point though because everyone is required to wear masks which is i agree with Mm -hmm. but then once you reach cruising altitude everyone takes their masks masks off even though they're all seated in the same spot so they can all eat and drink and as soon as they descend that's when you have to put your mask back on. Yeah. It's it's, it's stupid. There's well, He's there's going about it for the wrong reason. There's some kind of reasoning for that, but I mean, yes, that sounds odd on the surface. So he was wearing a thong. Oh. <laughs> on his face. Oh. <laughs> yeah, not he wasn't just wearing a thong. No, oh, he was wearing a thong fun. as a mask. Um there's a brief picture here. I'll just show Colin quick. <laughs> That's exactly what I pictured. Yeah, it's just he's wearing a thong and he got kicked out of the plane before they took off. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> Don't make a mockery of the thong. Oh, if they're going to save that man, I'm like, I'll make a mockery of a man that puts a thong in his face that's for a stunt. <laughs> a, a useless, pointless stunt. Yeah. Yikes. Well, that's, that's all that we have for this week. We'll continue this weird story of Stardust Ranch next week. But if you come across any weird news articles you want us to read, or if you have your own spooky story, send it our way. Yes, we would love to read them. You can send it to Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all are at NerdSlothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at NerdSloth.com. Let and us know what you think. In the next couple weeks... Fingers crossed. Got some background stuff happening. But we will be releasing our new podcast, the Norse Woods podcast, all about Norse mythology and Norse paganism. So if you're interested, check it out. Check her out. And we will catch you all next week. Now, catch you on the flip flop. We love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.